When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Tuesday, December the 27th, 2022. Hope everybody had a good holiday, had a great Christmas. As we come out of the Christmas break, Kentucky basketball has their SEC opener Wednesday night against the Missouri Tigers at Mizzou Arena there in Columbia. It's a 7 o'clock start on the SEC Network. Kentucky comes into the game 8-3. and three. Missouri is off to a great start under first-year coach Dennis Gates, the Tigers are 11 and 1 and coming off a big 93-71 win over number 16 ranked Illinois last week. To help us preview the game, I talk with Matt Stahl who covers Missouri for the Columbia Daily Tribune and for Kentucky I talk with my friend Cameron Drummond of kentucky.com who covers UK basketball and covers UK basketball recruiting. We talked about the matchup on Wednesday night between the Cats and the Tigers. Before we get to that, I want a couple of reminders. Uh, remember that you can uh, please subscribe and follow the podcast. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio Podcasts. That helps people find the podcast. We appreciate everybody who has done that. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Arrow Leader. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab, check out all the offers for digital subscriptions to Kentucky.com, or if you want a print subscription to the Lexington Herald Leader. Like I said, we appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. We appreciate Matt Stahl and Cam Drummond who helped us get ready for the Wednesday night's Kentucky-Missouri game with some scouting reports on both teams. You'll hear from Matt Stahl first and then from Cam Drummond. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Matt Stahl, who covers Missouri athletics for the Columbia Daily Tribune, a former Herald Leader intern. How's it going, Matt? Doing good, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on the pod. Uh, a friend of the pod, Matt, will help us out with the Kentucky-Missouri football game. Today we're going to talk about the Kentucky-Missouri basketball game Wednesday night there at Mizzou Arena. It's a 7 o'clock tip-off on the SEC Network. And, Matt, what about this Missouri basketball team? Dennis Gates has the Tigers at 11-1 and uh, heading into the game on Wednesday night. What's been the, what's been the big turnaround for Mizzou? Well, he brought in almost an entirely new roster. There's only three guys returning from last season to be uh, Kobe Brown, uh, Caleb Brown, and Ronnie DeGray. And, you know, around him, he just put a lot of experience. You know, you got Nick Honor coming in as a graduate from uh, Clemson at point guard. Uh, Dennis Gates brought a bunch of Cleveland State guys with him, which was his previous stop. And he brought in uh, Trey Gamillion, Des Moines Hodge, a few other guys. And, yeah, it's just a completely different team. And, I mean, I can't tell you if they're really going to be a huge factor in, 
you know, for an SEC championship game this season, but at least they're looking competitive and things are fun. So that's a marked improvement over last year. Yeah, playing a much more fun style of basketball, or it seems, after Conzo Martin was more of a defensive-oriented, uh, you know, kind of a grinded-out style coach. Looks like Gates is much more of an up-and-down style. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They love to get out. They love to run. They could win a few different ways, you know, but I mean, if you watch the games last year, it was sort of the Kobe Brown show. And if he didn't have it on a given night, you know, there was nobody else to pick up the slack. And it was just going slow, trying to play defense, not really doing real well at playing defense. <laughs> and, you know, if you didn't win, you know, 60 to 59, you probably weren't winning the game. And, you know, now they, they'll get out and run on offense. They got a few guys who can go get you a bucket when you need. But, you know, they can play. The defense looked far better against Illinois, which is something I would expect. I mean, given Dennis Gates back when he was playing college basketball was really a defensive specialist at Cal under uh, Ben Braun there. And, yeah, it's uh, you know, a lot faster on offense than I'd, I'd, I'd expect the defense to continue to improve here the next couple of games. So I, I assume that the Missouri fans are pretty excited about the start and about the style of play. Oh yeah. They're thrilled now. I mean, there was, a, there's a little bit of a lull, you know, they got just, they got the break speed off of them by Kansas there at home. And again, people were really excited about, I perhaps would have tempered those expectations a little bit, given how good Kansas is. Right. But then, you know, you go in uh, the Bragg and Rice rivalry against Illinois and St. Louis the other night. And, I mean, it wasn't a fluke. They just outright just went and beat Illinois. So, yeah, I think fans are right back excited. Yeah, beat Illinois 93-71, to 71, jumped out on them to uh, 51-27 at the half. Uh, Kobe Brown had a big game. I know in that game, uh, you know, as Kentucky fans are familiar with him as a holdover. But talk a little bit more about those transfers, the new guys that uh, Gates has brought in. Yeah, you got a, you got a handful of dudes. Um, the one – I'll start with one who uh, – Played in uh, played his high school basketball over in Louisville was uh, Sean East, who's a point guard. He's really interesting to me because, like, when the game is sort of slowed down, it seems like he kind of plays out of control. But then the moment the game goes wild, he's like the most calm, collected dude on the basketball court and can go get you a bucket. So that's interesting to me. Um, you got Noah Carter came in from Northern Iowa. Uh, one of the bigger dudes on this team. This isn't a team with a whole, whole lot of length. So at, at six, six, he's tied for like third tallest guy on the team. I think something like that. Uh, he's been, he's been solid there when they played him at the forward spot. Uh, Nick honor at point guard uh, listed at five ten. Uh, I think that might be an embellishment given that I'm taller than him and, I'm significantly taller than him, and I'm five eleven. So it's uh, he's he's very solid, and at time, I mean, against Illinois, he was really able to shoot that basketball. He uh, he's sort of the main distributor for him. Uh, Demoy Hodge came in from Cleveland State with Dennis Gates. Uh, really good catch and shoot guy. If he's got his shot, he's going to be dangerous. Uh, DeAndre Golston uh, not, did not play for Cleveland State, played against Cleveland State a bunch at uh, Milwaukee. Another guy who's got got a shot. Um, 
against UCF, he hit just an absolute miracle buzzer beater from the logo, banked it in to win the game. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the other notable one, Trey Gamillion, uh, yeah, uh, came in from Cleveland State. He's sort of the coach on the floor type going for, you know, those hustle plays and sort of line, sort of telling people where to line up. They think he's going to be a coach once he graduates here. Really? And, and what about Brown? What kind of season? Obviously, he had the big game the other night. What kind of season had he had up to that point? I mean, he's been pretty good. The thing about this season for him is he hasn't necessarily had to carry the load. He hasn't had to be the leading scorer every night. So at times he hasn't been. Uh, he he has a little tendency, you know, he'll get into foul trouble early in games. He'll pick up two quick ones pretty routinely. And sometimes they'll be, you know, several miles from the basket. So it's not a it's not what the coaches think of as a good foul. Uh, he didn't do that against Illinois. He came out and, you know, when he's on, he's on. He's one of, he's one of the dangerous players in this league, I think. Right. Yeah, he can. You know, he uh, he can shoot. You've seen him shoot the three a few times this season. Uh, pretty great success, especially when people start shading over, trying to cover Demoy Hodge or somebody else on the floor. And then you know he's able to just go in the paint and get you a bucket when you need it, which yeah, that's a valuable skill, especially when you have some shooters to sort of open the floor up a little bit for him. And and they are taking a lot more three point uh, shots, right, than uh, Missouri has previously. Oh, yeah. A lot more than previous seasons. Uh, you know, at times, you saw it in the Kansas games where sometimes that shot will just go cold for everybody at once, and that that's going to make for a rough day every time for Missouri. Right. But, you know, typically they'll have one or two guys who really are on, and whether it's Des Moines Hodge, whether it's Kobe Brown sometimes, uh, Nick Honor at times, DeAndre Golston. So if you can get one, two of those guys hitting from three, it's generally a game Mizzou's going to have a real chance in. So, so Matt, what are the keys for Missouri on Wednesday to get a win over Kentucky? Uh, they've had some pretty good success against Kentucky. They've won two out of the last three meetings there in Columbia when Kentucky's come to Mizzou Arena. Uh, what does Missouri need to do on Wednesday to get the SEC off to a good start? Uh, not to sound super obvious, but hit your shots. I think that was the big deal in the Kansas game. I think they still would have lost, but when you're shooting just that poorly from just everywhere on the court, I mean, they were, they were failing to make just basic layups in that game, but like maybe their home crowd got to them a little bit. Uh, so you just got to hit, just hit the easy stuff. That's going to be big. Keep yourself in it. Because they've proven, I mean, they got a lot of experience on the court, which I think is going to be another key. Like, don't get sort of lost in the moment at Mizzou Arena again. It's going to be another sold-out crowd. Uh, I'm not actually sure if the students are going to be back or not. They may have put those student seats out for general sale. But, I mean, keep yourself in it till the end. And, then, you know, see where the chips fall. you got a lot of seniors, graduate students on this team who played a lot of college basketball. And just trust that they know what to do in these situations. Well, Matt, tell, remind the listeners where they can uh, find your work leading up to, uh, during, and after the game there. All right. Yep. Yeah, it's the Columbia Daily Tribune. And then you can find me on Twitter, generally tweeting out all the work at Matt Stall97.
So be sure to follow all, all of Matt's work. He's doing a great job covering Missouri athletics. He told me he just got back from the Nashville, his home in Nashville, spending the holidays from Tampa at the Gasparilla Bowl. How was the Gasparilla Bowl? Well, Mizzou's offense was rancid, but the weather was awesome. So <laughs> I, I had up, a great huh? time. <laughs> that sums it up. Okay, well, Matt, uh, looking forward to a big game on Wednesday. Should be an entertaining game, a very interesting game, the way Kentucky's played and Missouri's played up to this point. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Always fun. Okay, Matt, thanks to Matt Stahl of the Columbia Daily Tribune. And after this break, you'll be hearing from Cam German of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast my good friend and colleague at the Herald-Leader, Cameron Drummond. Cam, how's it going? Doing good. Hope you and uh, and all the listeners out there had a good, happy holiday season. And uh, before you know it, I guess Kentucky basketball is all the way back. And uh, we had a few days uh, off there to kind of decompress. And uh, and now we're about to get going with SEC play starting up here at Missouri. That's right. Wednesday night, Kentucky at Missouri SEC opener. It's a 7 o'clock game on the SEC network. Uh, Cam, you've been at the game at the home games, follow them on TV as well in the road games. You were in New York at Madison Square Garden for the Kentucky UCLA game. How do you feel like this Kentucky team is playing right now heading into the SEC opener? Yeah, I mean, there's just still a lot of moving parts and I think way more questions and unanswered questions, frankly, that than people would have thought given the experience on this Kentucky team. I think they're like 103rd in the country in experience on Ken Palm, more than two years of average D1 experience when you look and go per player on the roster. Things that are kind of unheard of with Calipari-led Kentucky teams. And while there were those those early season injuries, uh, the recovery uh, from surgery in, in August for, for Oscar Shibway, I just think there's so many questions and so many concerns still about what this team looks like on both ends of the court way more than you thought at the start of the season would still be in place post Christmas, whether that's figuring out ways to free up Shibwe in the paint because defenses are collapsing and sending double and triple teams, whether that's finding outside shooters to reliably hit shots. We've seen Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick each have moments where they can look like dependable outside shooters but also moments where they've really struggled and Kentucky's offense has suffered as a result. You've still seen a bit of Jekyll and Hyde stuff from Savio Wheeler, who's shooting the ball pretty well from the floor, all things considered, but still had in a couple games of too many turnovers. Uh, and I think probably the biggest thing that Kentucky fans have a sticking point with is just the lack of quality performances against good teams. You know, they're one in three against name brand opponents. Their best win this season is on a neutral court in London, England against a Michigan team that's been a bit disappointing uh, a game in which Michigan's best player had to battle foul trouble in a game in which you know the idea of playing on another continent in the middle of the season maybe kind of takes a bit of a shine or, or explains away some more uh, struggles from your opponent so really this is a Kentucky team still without a signature win still hovering kind of you know miraculously in the top 20 of the AP rankings uh, but has a really big opportunity ahead of itself at Missouri to start SEC play on the right foot correct some of these issues that have festered to start the season and just put together a good comprehensive team win that they really haven't done so far this season. Yeah, like I mentioned, you you saw them up close and personal up in New York and Madison Square Garden against UCLA, as you mentioned, and one of those top tier, top flight opponents. What what did you take away from that particular game? 
And that was one of Kentucky's worst offensive performances in recent memory. They scored 53 points. I think that was their lowest point total since a loss at Tennessee in March of 2019 when they only scored 51 or 52. And that game was just a slog, a real chore to watch. Kentucky's outside shot was not falling. Kentucky had a season high in turnovers. Just really nothing good working on the offensive end for the Cats. I mean, they played pretty good defense against a really good UCLA team as well in terms of holding them to 63 points and historically Kentucky has something insane like a you know greater than 90% winning percentage when Calipari led teams hold opponents to 63 points or less but that wasn't the case when you have you know Jacob Toppin 2 of 10 Oscar Shibway 4 of 12 Wallace and Reeves combined from the field to shoot 4 of 26 uh, just not consistent offensive production from really anybody in the starting group you know one of the big talking points after the game was Lance Ware coming into the game and really turning the tide of things just with his physicality and his aggression and that's also been something that's you know kind of manifested itself through the first what 12 games of the season, 11 games of the season so far, just maybe a lack of competitive fight on the inside at times from Kentucky, because obviously Oscar Shibway has continued to get his rebounds and, you know, perform at a high clip when it comes to getting the ball off the glass, but not a ton of his teammates have done that consistently. And I think that will reduce second chance points that reduces, you know, the ability of Kentucky's offense to function at a full clip as long as you're taking Shibway out of the game or at least limiting his effectiveness and, the UCLA game was a great example of that, where if you focus in on Sheebway, take away as much as you can from a scoring perspective from him, force Kentucky's outside shooters to make shots they don't always make, and force a secondary or tertiary playmaker to step up for Kentucky, which really hasn't happened in some of these showcase games this season. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, also, I know you've been you've mo- been monitoring uh, Cal's uh, coaches' shows and comments and so forth. And after games, he changed up the starting lineup last time. Do you expect that line, particular lineup uh, with Lance Ware in the starting lineup? Do you expect that to continue, or do you think Cal's still in the mode of where he's he's going to use a lot of different combinations to try to uh, to get what he wants? Yeah, I mean, that kind of also goes into the unanswered questions thing I discussed earlier. That's probably not where you want to be to start SEC play, right? You still probably don't want to be experimenting with lineups and trying to figure out combinations that are most effective for your team. But that's kind of still where we are for this Kentucky team. And and as you mentioned, for the final non-conference game before SEC play starts, there was a couple tweaks to the starting lineup. Chris Livingston and Lance Ware moving in for that, uh, you know, relatively inconsequential home win over Florida A&M. I think part of that was really just a reward for how well Livingston and Ware both played in New York City. You'd probably say that they were Kentucky's two best players in the game and and maybe some kind of a a message to a guy like an Antonio Reeves or a Jacob Toppin, veteran players who can – maybe take something like that happening as a challenge to elevate their play. But even last night on Monday night during his weekly radio show, uh, Calipari mentioned that they've been some experimentation in terms of playing Chris Livingston at the three, I do Fierro at the four. I'm not saying that those two players are going to start together, but you can see that there's still tweaks and adjustments that Calipari is still making to find 
an ideal blend of players on the court. And so I wouldn't be shocked if you saw another change to the starting lineup, maybe Jacob Toppin, who responded decently well against FAMU, moves back into the lineup against Missouri. Maybe you want, you know, a veteran player like an Antonio Reeves in the lineup to start an SEC game on the road to begin league play instead of a Chris Livingston. But Calipari has talked a lot this season as well about rewarding toughness and grittiness and that physical fight. And that's something that Livingston has done, especially as his minutes have increased so far this season, had a season high in minutes and points in that UCLA game. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Livingston honestly stick around in the starting lineup, especially if he continues to, to play well enough to justify that, because it's not like anyone's necessarily banging down the door to take it from him either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. It's a good point. Uh, also on this podcast, we talked to uh, your friend and mine, Matt Stahl, who covers uh, Missouri for the Columbia Daily Tribune. Obviously, Missouri's had a big turnaround so far this season. They're 11-1 and under new coach Dennis Gates, and they really like to get it up and down the floor. They're averaging 88.8 points per game. Kentucky Cal has said all along that, hey, we want to run. We want to get the ball and go, play at a faster pace. But a lot of times when we get into SEC play and conference play, things are slowed down. It becomes more of a possession-by-possession game. What kind of game are you looking for for Wednesday when Kentucky plays Missouri? What do you think are the keys for Kentucky? Well, let's not lump me in too directly with Matt Stahl there, just okay. for legal purposes. We can't, we can't say he's an acquaintance of Matt Stahl, is, oh, okay. uh, is what my lawyers would like you to say. <laughs> okay. um, That's how you want to play it. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but no, as you mentioned, like Missouri's been a lot of fun to watch this season. Uh, they really haven't played the, the most difficult schedule. Uh, they've really only played two significant, I mean, uh, winning away at Wichita State's pretty impressive. They got smacked around at, at home by Kansas, but responded in their last game with a tremendously, you know, 22 point win at, at a neutral site in a rivalry game against Illinois. You, you mentioned kind of the new look Missouri. Dennis Gates has, has a lot of excitement building up around that program. But but as you mentioned as well, league play, you kind of can't be flying up and down the court, you know, unless maybe you're Arkansas or Alabama at times, as much as you are in non-conference play. So this might, may very well get, you know, mucked down to a in-the-trenches, grinded-out, half-court style of game. And I'm not sure that favors Kentucky. I don't think you really want that if, if you're the Wildcats, which is strange to say because road teams will usually be looking into, you know, going to opponents' buildings and dirtying up the game and trying to grind it out. But floor spacing has been a massive issue for Kentucky this season. It's something that Oscar Shibway spoke about even as recently as before the FAMU game about, you know, wishing maybe that there were more clear signals for play calls for whoever the ball handler is to, you know, run the Kentucky offense, you know, moments where he's finding it difficult to operate when the paint is so clogged and congested. And a lot of it does come come down to, to outside shooters making shots. But if this does turn into one of those half-court grind any kind of conference games. I'm not so sure that favors Kentucky come Wednesday night. Yeah, no, I'm not either. I mean, that's been a pro- execution in the half-court offense. has definitely been a problem. It was definitely a problem against UCLA. I think UCLA kept them from getting out and getting fast-break points and made them play a half-court game, and that certainly didn't work to Kentucky's favor. Uh, Cam, obviously you're, you were uh, – Covering recruiting, UK basketball recruiting. So while we've got you on the podcast, is there anything new going on with Kentucky basketball recruiting right now? 
Well, I mean, look at the, the 2023 class, kind of the, the final pieces of it are, are shaking out. Kentucky's still projected to have the top class in the country for 2023 with the, the five players they have in uh, or scheduled to come in that have all signed their letters of intent. I've got a couple things working. I'm working on right now. You can check out at, at Kentucky.com if you click the UK basketball recruiting tab. Some things updating you on, on just somehow those signees have been going. Justin Edwards and his high school team from Philadelphia had a massive showing at a, at a standout tournament down in, in Fort Myers, Florida called City of Palms Classic. Edwards and his team won that tournament. Reed Shepard, uh, also in-state product from North Laurel, had a great showing in that tournament. He's playing in Lexington right now as part of the holiday classic they got going on at Lexington Catholic. So if anyone in the area wants to check him out. But the 2023s have continued to, to impress as their high school seasons have begun. And you start looking a bit you know, further out into the horizon. Kentucky's really putting on the full court press for Ian Jackson, who is one of the best players in the class of 2024, really dynamic, bouncy kind of shooting guard, someone who can explode for dunks at the rim, someone who's a playmaker. His outside shot isn't quite there yet, but it's developing to become a competent three-point shot. He's a really good team defender, probably a bit more so than an individual defender. But Kentucky is putting on the full court press for him while they were in New York, for the CBS Sports Classic, both John Calipari and Orlando Antigua stayed back a day to watch Jackson play a high school game. He goes to high school in the Bronx. And there's also been a lot of reclassification buzz, and there has been for the last several months, about Jackson potentially sliding into the 2023 class. And based on some of the analysts I've talked to, and again, you can check it some of those stories on Kentucky.com. People think he's you know, a player that can reclass from 24 to 23 and still make an impact. He's that talented enough. He's that dynamic. Probably needs to get a little bit stronger, obviously, just getting into a college strength and conditioning program and you know, just needs to you know, adapt to the speed of the game as well. But Ian Jackson, someone who is Kentucky's top priority in the 24 class, could potentially become a member of the 23 class and Kentucky feels like they're in a very good position with him. He's got an official visit scheduled for, I believe, January 6th at North Carolina. I think it's a day before North Carolina plays Notre Dame in the ACC. Uh, and really, it's going to probably come down to between Kentucky and North Carolina for his recruitment is what I've been hearing. So two blue bloods really going at it. But Kentucky feeling really good about its chances with Ian Jackson as things currently stand. Talking about the current signing class, uh, we we are recording this uh, on uh, Tuesday afternoon, just a little bit earlier. Cam and I were both there. His uh, UK assistant coach KT Turner talked to the talked to the uh, media, and of course, he was asked about recruiting. Uh, and I thought it was interesting what he said about uh, about Reed Shepard uh, when we were talking about the upcoming class and what a good class he believes it's going to be. Uh, he had some good things to say about what Reed has done so far. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the goal for Reed Shepard in North Laurel this season, his senior season, would be to have another trip to the Sweet 16, you know, potentially go a bit further in the tournament than they did last year. Obviously, him being an in-state player, the, the son of UK basketball royalty, really, everyone knows how how important, you know, that, that in-state, state tournament performance is. But even on a national level, I think, you know, recruiting analysts and scouts are really getting a good look at Reed Shepard and maybe having their eyes opened to what us here in the Commonwealth have seen for so long. I, I mentioned earlier what he did at City of Palms. He was on the top charts for that in points, assists, rebounds, steals. Uh, he and, and his North Oral team played a showcase event in Louisville 
earlier this month, I think, you know, first week of December, they played in Louisville against Justin Edwards, a team from Philadelphia, kind of a, you know, a, a look ahead, if you will, for Kentucky fans looking at two of the five members currently of the recruiting class. Shepard played incredibly well against a, a high, a high level team that's probably going to finish the season as top five, top 10 in the country. And really just that all around versatility. I mean, everyone's known about Shepard's passing and his ability to drive in the lane, kick out to open shooters for so long. But the shooting is really coming along as well. He's gotten a bit stronger. He's becoming a little bit more consistent in terms of getting to a spot making shots the three-point shot can still kind of fluctuate there's still times where the ball handle is a bit too exposed to defenders and and usually when north laurel struggles on offense it can kind of be pinned back to shepherd having some issues with turnovers and maybe leaving the ball too exposed but the other thing with that is that he's not really going to be expected to do that at kentucky and especially not as part of a 2023 class that features dj wagner Robert Dillingham, uh, you know, even Justin Edwards, they can put the ball on the floor a little bit. So Shepard's strengths will be things that get him playing time starting next season in terms of all-around versatility, toughness, being physical and battling for rebounds. And his weaknesses probably won't be things that will be too magnified at Kentucky because the Wildcats should have other players that will bear the brunt of those tasks. But tremendous start to his senior season and obviously a lot more games coming up in Kentucky for Reed Shepard as the Jaguars trying to make another Sweet 16. But first of all, we got the current team, which plays at Missouri on Wednesday. Like I said, it's a 7 o'clock game on the SEC Network. We will have plenty of coverage on Kentucky.com. Cam, tell them where they can follow you on Twitter and how they can check check out your work, especially on the recruiting side. Sure thing, yeah. So for my work, visit Kentucky.com slash sports. There'll be a couple tabs you can mess around on. Go to UK men's basketball, go to UK basketball recruiting. I'm still kind of doing a little bit of everything. So, you know, feel right. free to, to check out the, the main sports site as well um, and, and visit and, and read all the stuff that we write, not just myself, but Ben Roberts, yourself, Mark Story, Jared Peck, everyone. Uh, and then on Twitter, I'm at cdrummond97. So that's C D R U. M-M-O-N-D, the number nine, the number seven. Uh, come hang, ton of recruiting information there, ton of UK basketball information there. And it's getting to be NFL playoff season, so you can watch me you know, slowly go insane as the Dallas Cowboys lose in the wild card round at Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> we look forward to that. Well, not really, but... I don't. <laughs> I, I, I sure don't. I can tell you that. <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but Cam's been doing a great job uh, cover, covering just about everything, Kentucky basketball, Kentucky pitching in on Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball recruiting, Kentucky women's basketball. You name it, Cam has covered it. So be sure and check him out on Twitter. Be sure and check him out on Kentucky.com. Cam, thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. Pleasure as always, John. Thanks for having me. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Matt Stahl of the Columbia Daily Tribune and Cam Drummond of the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. We will have a couple of more podcasts this week. We'll have a podcast previewing the Kentucky-Louisville basketball game on Saturday at Rupp Arena. That's a noon start. And we'll also have a podcast previewing the Music City Bowl where Kentucky takes Iowa. That's also a noon start on Saturday down in Nashville. But first of all, we got Kentucky, Missouri, Wednesday night in Columbia, 7 o'clock start on the SEC Network. Plenty of coverage on Kentucky.com leading up to during and after the game. Check out my pie, uh, check out my blog, the Sidelines blog, where I'll have the uh, a live update Twitter feed during the game. 
also have the three takeaways after the game. Be sure and follow everybody at, on Kentucky.com who, follow, who cover Kentucky basketball and football. Uh, cover uh, Mark C. Follow Mark's story on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Follow Ben Roberts on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. Also, it's mentioned Cam Drummond. Follow him at C Drummond ninety seven. You can follow me at John Clay IV, and follow John Hale at John. It's J O N H A L E underscore H L. Please follow John as well. We have plenty of coverage this week, which is a big week for UK athletics, both men's basketball and football. We'll have plenty of coverage. Thanks again to Matt Stahl. Thanks again to Cam Drummond, and we'll be. T- Catching you next time on the John Clay Podcast.